Amen. Thank you so much. Take your Bibles, go to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. Stand with me as you turn. Matthew chapter 6 and verse, verse 24. And I want to read a fairly familiar passage of Scripture today. And uh, then we'll be in several other places here in Matthew and other books. But Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. When we come to verse 33, if you'd read that verse aloud with me. So we're going to read Matthew 6, 24 through 34. But if you'd read verse 33 when we come to that one aloud with me. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, it says, Now man, no man can serve two masters, for either he, either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, and neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they sow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Would you read verse 33 again with me? But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much for all that you have done for us. Lord, I thank you for first loving us that you would love us so much that you would send your son to die on the cross and to rise again that three days later that we might be saved. That we might have the privilege of knowing heaven as our home and to, to know you as our Lord, to walk with you, to talk with you, to hear from your word. I thank you for the book that we hold in our hand, the Bible, the very word of God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that as you have inspired your word and given it to us, that same Holy Spirit would touch our hearts today from the scripture. Draw us near to you, Lord. We love you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, there's certain parts of life that make you, certain times of life that, that you maybe reevaluate things, and certain events do that, don't they? Uh, certain events in life, maybe a birthday, makes someone look back a little bit and look forward a little bit. Uh, certain times in life, maybe it's marriage, makes someone pause a minute, look back, and then look forward. I, I think when a child, when you first maybe find out you're going to have a child, you start looking at life a little bit differently. You look back, you look forward. Uh, different circumstances of life. They, they make you reevaluate, look at certain things, search out what has been good, maybe what needs to be different. Certain times on the calendar do that for us, don't they? They make us look back, look forward. Uh, each day of the week, when I walk into a week, usually somewhere on Sunday or Monday, I sit down with a notepad in my hand and I'll, I'll write out everything I know is coming up the next week that I need to do. And I'll write it all out. And, uh, and then I'll start sticking it on certain days and, and just looking forward and maybe looking backward a little bit. 
certain days of the week, certain days in the calendar. Certainly the beginning of a new year makes you do that, maybe instinctively a little bit. Maybe you're not necessarily a, a, a New Year's resolution person, but I would assume that most of us have looked backward a little bit and maybe counted some of the blessings of the last year. You ever look back and think, well, I'm thankful. Maybe some of the losses, uh, you know, losses are a reality as well. I can look back at some of the losses of last year and, and also see God's provision in the middle of some of those losses and see God's many blessings. And you look back a little bit. You look forward at things in a new year. I, we, we don't know how much of this year next year we get, do we? I think of the verse where it said, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We don't know how much of this coming year we get, do we? Uh, but I do think this. I think there's a, there is a reality when you look down the road a little bit, it affects your day that you're in a little bit. I think that the great benefit of looking forward a little is that you would live in the moment with that future in prospect, that today does matter. And if everybody here in this room does have a future, if we don't have time on this life, we're certainly going to see our Savior in glory, those of us who know the Lord. If you're here today without Christ, there is a certain future. Now, it's not bright and it's not hopeful. It's the opposite of all of that. It's separation from God. It's a horrible reality, but everybody here spends a future day somewhere. The call of this passage of Scripture is that we would live with that reality, that future in, in focus in our life. I think of Adam and Eve when I think of this passage of Scripture, walking with God in the cool of the day. He had made a perfect world. When he finished making the world and finished making it, he said, it's good. God's comment on his creation was, it's a good thing. And Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. Now, Adam kept the garden. He still labored for the Lord, even in that perfect environment. He labored, but, but what a joy it must have been to labor in a perfect environment, walking with God in the cool of the day every day with one purpose, fellowship with God. And then it was all broken, wasn't it? It was all broken. God had given them a choice. He'd given Adam and Eve a clear choice. And he said, Adam and Eve... Don't eat of that tree, because the day that you eat of that tree, thou shalt surely die. You'll surely be separated from me. All, everything changes that moment. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you, but don't eat of that tree, because there's your choice. Adam and Eve, you know the story. Satan, slithered, Satan came into the garden, and there Eve was tempted, and Eve, deceived by it, took of the fruit and ate of it. And she turned to Adam, and Adam, and ate, Adam ate of it. And the Bible reminds us in the Scripture, he says, by one man's disobedience, his disobedience, everything changed, didn't it? Everything changed. Sin and death and heartache entered into this world. And there is this reality as we go through life. It's not like the Garden of Eden anymore, is it? <laughs> it's not like the Garden of Eden anymore. There's thorns and thistles in this life. There's hardships in this life. Uh, you'll work by the sweat of the brow with a thorn in your palm sometimes, won't you? You'll labor through hardship and things have gotten different. But the call, the reason we're here is no different than it was for Adam and Eve. Fellowship with our God. Service for our God. It's gotten more difficult because of sin and the nature of sin and the destructive nature of it. And there's a need for a shelter over our head for sure. If you walk outside a little bit, it's, you're going to notice it's a little cool today. All right. It's Georgia cool. I walked out and I had frost on my windshield. All right. And I had some frost on there. I, thankfully, there wasn't inches of snow, but there was frost. We need shelter overhead. I, now, some of you may like camping out under that. I prefer not to, all right? And I, I do appreciate my heat in the house, all right? 
There's a need for clothes on our back, the raiment that the scripture mentions here. There's a need for that as we go through life. And certainly uh, there is a need, if you will, for, the, for those, the raiment, our shelter, our provision, all of those things that are there, there's a necessity to it. And sin has made those things even more necessary, hasn't it? Because we live in a far and fallen world. But I'm still here for my Lord. There is the danger of this world is that we put our gaze in the wrong place. The danger of the hard nature of our life is that we become focused on the things of this life that make it easier rather than the eternity that really matters. The Lord calls our attentions to set our right priorities. I want to look at the scripture just shortly this morning as you look to a new year and not just a new year, friend, but a new day. I think these are considerations for every single day of life that put life in its perspective. And the first thing is first the eternal and then the temporal. First the eternal, then the temporal. Verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. In verse 20, he said, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? He said, why are you, you can't add one, one inch to your height. In verse, uh, verse 25, he said, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. He said, I don't want you to worry. I don't want you. He doesn't say don't consider those things. That's not what he's saying. But don't worry over these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He says our first consideration in life should be the eternal and then the temporal. Colossians 3, 1 through 2 says, If ye then being risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things on earth above, not on things on earth. He makes that statement. If ye be risen with Christ, if you know him, then set your affections above. Now, if you don't know him, you're going to be living in this world because this is your heaven. And that's a sad heaven. If you don't know Christ, this is heaven for you. This is as good as it will ever get with its heartbreak, with its disease, with its sin, with its wickedness. This is as good as it gets for a lost man. This is your heaven. Because what comes next? And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. For the wages of sin is death. This is it. But for you and I who know Christ as our Savior, this this is as bad as it gets down here. The reality is we're heading somewhere else. We're going to see our Lord and and our focus is not supposed to be here. It's supposed to be there. Our focus is not supposed to be on the things of this world, but on our Lord. But seek ye first his kingdom, seek ye first his righteousness. There's a call to look to the Lord. To not be caught up with the things of this world, but to but to put him forced for first in everything to be the first consideration. If you study the scripture, you'll find God is concerned with first. Matter of fact, when it comes to giving, doesn't it? It's not a message on giving, but when it comes to giving, God asks for a tithe. And what is a tithe? Well, we all know it. It's it's a tenth, but it's more than a tenth, isn't it? It's the first fruit, right? It's the first ten. God asks for the first. He, He wants to be the first consideration in the financial blessings he's given us in his life. Today is Sunday, is it not? It's Sunday, right? What is Sunday? Well, it's the first day of the week. 
Our Savior rose again on the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. It used to be called the Lord's Day, then it became Sunday, and then it became the weekend, right? Slowly inching it back, right? From the Lord. But it's the Lord's Day. It's the first day of the week. He wants to be the first consideration in our week. What is the call of Scripture in our walk with God? Early will I seek thee. The first part of our day. God knows many times when he has our first, he has us all. When he has us first, he has us our all. He said, first the eternal, then the temporal. It's not that God says, I don't want you to, uh, you're no longer to need raiment. You don't worry about all those things. He said, no, I want you to consider me first and I will take care of all of those things. He said, I'll care for those things. I, I love the verse here where it says this in, in verse um, 30. It says, wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? God said, I cared for the, for the field. I cared for the sparrow. What do you think I wouldn't care for you? What is the greatest demonstration of love in all of human history? The cross. The cross. You remember when you asked your spouse to marry you, right? People go to great lengths to demonstrate their love, right? Great drink. I want you to know how much I love you, and I'm going to do this great deal that leads up this moment that I'm going to ask you to marry me. The church is referred to as the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ, is it not? The greatest demonstration of love was the cross. For I have so loved you that I would all do all of this for you. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died on the cross and he rose again. He died in, for our sin. He took our sin upon him and died in our place so that you and I might be saved. And he said to as many as received him to them, gave you the power to become the what? Sons of God. He said, when you trust me, I'm going to make you my child. I'm going to make you my son. And, and, we, and we, he would tell Nicodemus, he'd say, ye must be born again. And he would say, how a man is born again? Born not of the water, but of the spirit, not of the flesh. He's not talking about the day you were born into this life, but the day you were born into eternity by the spirit of God when you became a child of God. Now, even in this world, we recognize the importance of a parent caring for their children, don't we? Now, five of them, they don't worry too much about whether they're going to be cold at night. Well, I have control of the thermostat. Sometimes they worry, all right? I like it cool, right? But, but they don't worry too much about whether the electric bill is going to be paid or all of those things. They don't worry too much about what food is. Well, they may worry about the food on the table, what they're going to be fed sometimes because they have to eat what's on the table, right? But they know there's going to be food on the table, now they're going to have a home because there's someone taking care of that for them. A matter of fact, if I were to not do that, some of you would come to me. What do you mean you're not? What are you doing? You're going out and doing things for yourself and you're, you're not a preacher. And you're not taking care of your children. You're not, you're not paying the electric bill, but you're going out and buying yourself a great big brand new truck and gun. You'd say, what are you doing, preacher? That's not right. Now, paying the electric bill, you're not putting food on the table for your family. You made yourself a big steak and you gave them ramen noodles. Like, what is going on, preacher? Or gave them nothing? 
Matter of fact, if it went too far, some, some blue lights would shine in front of my house, wouldn't they? And they would knock on my door. You, what are you doing? You have a legal responsibility to care for those five in your house. What's wrong with you that you wouldn't do so? The Lord would even say to those worse than an infidel for those who don't care for their own. Who do you think your heavenly father is? What kind of depraved person do we think God is when we question his provision in our life? For God so loved the world. And God says this, if you want to make it through life, you want to be pleasing in his sight, first the eternal and then the temporal. Concern yourself first with God because God is concerned with you. And the call is this, that if we're not careful, we, we go through this life and we come very concerned about the temporal. And then we, after we've cared for our temporal things, we say, well then, Lord, now here's how I'm dressed in the eternal. And God says, no. First, the eternal and then the temporal. And we know this, that when we have it in that order, that I have a God who's taking care of me. Whether it's through the labors of our hands, the hard work as we follow what God has called us to do, or the provision of life, that I know this as I pursue the will of God in my life and follow the eternal first, there is a God who is right there taking care of me along the way. And that is the call. I think of when we, when we look to a new year, we look back at a previous year, we should make this determine in our nation, in our life. I will first concern myself with the eternal and then I will consider the temporal. First the eternal, then the temporal. Another consideration God calls us to is, is first your heart. First your heart and then your walk. Or first the inside. And then the outside. Skip ahead, if you would, to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. And look here in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 1. The Lord gives some rebuke to the Pharisees and some teaching to his disciples, those who would follow him. Verse 1, you see the Pharisees approach Jesus. And it says, Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. This was definitely pre-COVID, right? All right, this was a long time ago. No hand sanitizer. Lord, why are your disciples not washing their hands? It was instructed. And then the Lord begins to give them a teaching in verse 10. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest, that thou, knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? He rebuked them a little bit. He said, Lord, you hurt their feelings. That, that concerned the Lord deeply, that he hurt their feelings. Verse 13, but he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. He said, I'm going to root those fellows up. They weren't planted by me. Let them alone. They be blind leaders blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth into the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draught? 
But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murderers, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. God said first the inside and not the outside. God's not given an excuse, is he not? Wash your hands. All, every, every person in here is like, ah, I don't have to wash my hands anymore. No, I hope you do, all right? Okay, this season. Wash your hands, please. But that's not what he's saying, is it? Every young boy is feeling that way. They're in junior church. We don't have to worry about it, right? No need to wash my hands anymore, mom and dad. No. It's not what he's teaching, is he? He's teaching a truth, though. Who you are on the inside comes before who you are on the outside. Who you are on the outside should be, is a reflection of who you are on the inside. That's what happens. It's not that God is unconcerned with the outside. We know this. I'll come to that shortly. But the reality is this fact that God's cleansing work begins inwardly. Man, the only thing we can do is work on the outside, right? That's the world's means to correction of what even the world recognizes as wrong is how do we correct the behavior? How do we shape behavior? How do we change what somebody's doing? I'm going to tell you this. The only one who can change behavior is God because the only one who can change the inside of a man, the root of the problem, is God. First, the inside. Are you right with God? Matthew 23, 25 through 26 says this, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye make clean the outside of the cup of the platter, but within they are full of extortions and excesses. Thou blind Pharisees, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. The other day I grabbed a, a coffee cup out of the dishwasher. Anybody ever put a dish in there and the dishwasher doesn't do what's advertised? All right. And uh, dishwasher did not do what was advertised. And I made myself a cup of coffee and I was sitting there and I came down to the last swallow and I just, last swallow of coffee, the coffee had cooled down a little bit, so I just quickly put it down. And all of a sudden as it went down, I felt something go down with it. And I thought, that wasn't grounds. That was not grounds. And this was just the other day. Ever since then, I've been wondering, what did I consume? All right. The outside of that cup was good, but I am still mystified. But what that chunky texture was that I swallowed and it's probably maybe it's good that I didn't know all right okay who knows what I took in the outside of the cup looked pretty good but something I ate was not so pleasant I don't know what it is if I die tomorrow you know what it is all right you know it came something happened but we don't know that and the Lord rebukes the Pharisees he said you're good at washing the outside of the cup but you nobody eats on the outside they eat on what's in the inside the outside can look be fine, but if that inside's dirty, the outside of the plate can be good, but if there's chunks of food left on the top where the food goes, nobody wants that from the last person. And God said first the inside, then the outside. A cleansing of the heart. Can I tell you one of the greatest determinations you can make going into a new year is before you decide to change something outwardly in your life or do something differently is to draw nigh to God. Draw nigh to God, you sinners. Cleanse your hearts, purify your mind. He said to cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. Cleansing your hands is outwardly. Sometimes cleaning up the inside comes as we clean up the outside. But the call is that we consider our heart condition. Remember the Lord in Revelations? He came to that first church. 
He sent a messenger, an angel unto them. And he said, I, I have a message for you. He commended the church at Ephesus for some of the things they were doing that were good. And then he had a rebuke for them. His rebuke was this, I have somewhat against thee. Now that's a fearful statement. I would hate to hear that. Hey, Seth, from the Lord. I, Seth Han, I have a lot of things from you, but I have something against you, Seth Han. That's a scary statement, but the Lord made it to the church of Ephesus. I have somewhat against thee. You've left your first love. The Lord called him out. Your heart condition is wrong. Your deeds look good, but your heart, there is a problem. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the what? Humble. Humble is, humble is an inward, it begins inwardly, doesn't it? Now it may manifest itself outwardly in our conduct and behavior, but humility begins within. Humility begins within. God looks, he said, here, here as we look to our life, as we look to our day, as we look to a year, it is not only the first, the eternal and then the temporal, but it is first the inside and then the outside. Look, friend, there is no question that if we were honest and we were looking in the mirror a little bit today and linger a little bit about the things that we do and how we have lived our life this last year, that we would look to 2024. And if we're honest, we would say, boy, I need to quit doing that and I need to start doing this. There are some conducts and behavior in my life that need to change. And if we were honest with ourselves, you would admit that because you're human just like I am human but if those things will change it will first begin with this what is my heart like what is my love for the Lord like what is my humility like Lord is there aught between me and you have I surrendered myself to the Lord and the Lord rebuked those Pharisees he goes you wash your hands every time now I doubt they did all right you're big about washing your hands and you want my disciples to wash their hands. You, you, you're, you're big about tithing of this and tithing of that. But you ignore the weightier matters of the law, such as mercy and judgment. You're living the law, but your heart is dirty. You draw nigh to me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Our heart is where it starts. The condition of our heart. I can tell you something about your heart. God already knows its condition. I love Psalms 139. And what a psalm. It begins with the psalms as recognizing a fact. The Lord had searched his heart and knew him. It ends with him saying this. Search me, O God, and try me. It began with a knowledge of God searching of his heart. It ended with him asking, Lord, do search me and change me. Can I tell you something about you? God knows you. He knows the condition of your heart. He knows the condition of my heart. And for some reason, he still loves me. And he still loves you. So since he knows it already, why don't you let him search it and change it? He knows it already. First the inside. Then the outside. We ought to go to the Lord. I, I, hey, friend, even sometimes, if, if we were frank and honest, have you ever been to a place where you knew you were not right and you went before the Lord and you knew God was calling you to be different? You had to admit to the fact, Lord, I don't even want to change. Lord, would you change my want to and then help me change my behavior? Sometimes we need to go to the Lord and just say, Lord, I don't even want to be different. I like what I'm doing and I know you said it's wrong. Would you break my heart and help make me different? Would you break my heart and help me to be different in my life? Search me. 
Search me. Try me. Cleanse me. First the eternal and then the temporal. First the inside and then the outside. First your walk and then your talk. Or first your example and then your teaching. Go to Matthew 7. Go back to Matthew 7. Here's a a verse for you. Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. The world knows the first verse well. Some Christians know it well. Judge not that ye be not judged, right? It's an abused verse of the Bible. Because let's continue from there. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. Now he's saying, be careful as you held others accountable, because you'll be held accountable as well. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first, notice the first, first, cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Now, friend, this verse is not encouraging you to let sin go undone, is it? When God said, judge not lest ye be judged, he wasn't saying in this passage of Scripture, let sin run rampant and nobody make a judgment call on what is right and what is wrong. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is this. He said, if you're going to help your brother, you better make sure you're right first. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, the Bible tells us to restore such a one as has fallen, doesn't it? You know, you can't restore a fallen brother unless you first recognize the fallen. (laughs) Friend, you can't be restored unless you first recognize you are fallen. Now, even in that verse in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, there's the call that the one who restores a brother that has fallen, I'm going to have to paraphrase, you can look it up later, Galatians 6 and verse 1, he better be cautious lest he's also as tempted and falls. He said, make sure you're looking in your own eye. If you're going to help pull a moat out of someone else's eye, look in your own eye first. In other words, the call is, friend, if you're going to lead others to Christ, make sure you're living right with him today. I think of Timothy. Paul would tell Timothy this in 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 6. Thou therefore... My son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. He said, Timothy, lead others to the Lord. Point them to the Lord. Uh, Teach them the word. Then he would say this to Timothy, if you're going to do that, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. Timothy, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to endure the hardships of life as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. They said, no man that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. Don't be caught up in this world, Timothy, because you've got to please the one who called you. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully or, or biblically or according to God. Then he makes this statement, the husbandman that laboreth must first be a partaker of the fruits. He said, Timothy, if you're going to lead others to the Lord, you must be with the Lord. You must be right with the Lord. A husbandman must first be a partaker of the fruit. If you're going to commit something to a faithful man, you must first possess it. If you're going to live right, if you're going to lead others to live right with the Lord, you're going to have to first be right with the Lord. You're going to have to make sure your example is what it should be that you might teach another in every aspect of life. I'm a father of five. Audrey, come here, would you? 
She's going to get embarrassed at today. All right, no, I'm teasing. I won't embarrass you, I promise. This is my oldest girl. Is it cold in here? It's cold at home. It's cold, cold in here. How many are cold? Everybody on the front section, all right. God gives me a command, doesn't he, in Scripture in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. He says this to the father. Fathers, not to provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That's an important word, that bring them up. It's not raise them up, is it? It's bring. There's a big difference. In other words, bring means I'm saying something. I am here. Hey, come with me, Audrey. Come with me. It's not me saying, putting her here and I'm off doing what I want and saying, just raise up. Raise up. No, it's, it's come with me. Hey, Audrey, come with me as we get closer to the Lord this Lord's day. Come on, let's go to church. Let's hear from God's word and sing unto our Lord. Hey, Audrey, you reading your Bible today? Where'd you read? I'm, I'm, I'm just giving an illustration. Where did you read? Luke, she read in Luke. Good, read in Luke. I read in Matthew. All right. Where did you read? What did you get? Did you pray? Where's your prayer list? Want to come serve the Lord with me today? We're going to tell somebody about the Lord or we're going to go clean some places. Come with me. I cannot take her to where I am not. You know how I can quickly breed bitterness? Go do while I do not. I want you to grow near the Lord while I sleep in. I want you to go serve God while I sit back. You read your Bible and pray, but I'm going to watch the news today. You grow up to be a sh- someone who shares your faith, but I'm, I'm, I'm going fishing. You go do what you should do. Go have a seat. Thank you, baby girl. Isn't that what happens in churches sometimes? We all know the horror stories. Somebody stands up and preaches a a standard and a commitment to God's word. And then some horrible sin is revealed in their life. And there's automatic recognition in their life. That person was telling me to do one thing while they were doing the opposite. And people fall away from the Lord. Now, if you've experienced that, that's no excuse to fall away from God. Because God's faithfulness has never changed. It has never changed. Man fails you. That's a guaranteed fact. But God never fails. So no excuses, friend. But I will tell you this, it's a horrible example of leadership, isn't it? A horrible example of leadership. But Christian, I'm a dad. I'm supposed to be saying, come with me. I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to be saying, come with me. I'm a Christian. Do you hear me, Christian? You're supposed to be saying, come with me. You're supposed to have somebody you're saying to, come with me. And if you're going to say that, then you've got to live it. You've got to live it. You don't get to say, go there while I do this. You say, come with me. I tell you something, Christian, everybody in here has somebody. Your coworker, you work with somebody. You want them to come to know the Lord? Are you walking with the Lord? Is your heart right with the Lord? Is your testimony what it should be? You want those kids to grow up right? Okay, Dad. Mom, how's your life? 
And not just what they see, but what you know they don't see. Because I promise you this, what you think you're hiding is going to come out. I'm sorry, you can only hide it so long. And kids aren't as dumb as you think they are. They see it. Your coworker, that lost coworker, is, is not as oblivious as you think they are. They see it. That person who sits with you in their pew, they're not as oblivious as you think you are, as you think they are. They see it. What is your relationship with God like? First, your example. And then your teaching. First, your walk. I can tell you this. You can look forward to a coming year. And I, I will tell you, Christian, I, I don't know whether you're a New Year resolution person or not, but you ought to be an evaluating person. Friend, every one of us needs to become more like Christ. Matter of fact, that's God's will for us. God's will is that we would be conformed to the image of his dear son. That we are becoming more and more like Christ. And we ought to be examining our life to see where our lives have fallen short and running to God's word, to seeing who he'd have us to be and surrendering to what he says in his word that we might be more like him. And and I'll tell you some, some priorities that help shape that. First, the eternal. And then the temporal. First, the things that matter for an eternity. And then the considerations of this world. And all the considerations of the world should be viewed in their impact on that which is eternal. First, you're the inside. Then, the outside. Christian, it's a hard walk, the Christian life, if the inside isn't right. Matter of fact, you can only do it so long. You can only do it in your strength so long before you get upset, bitter, and lackadaisical or apathetic and fall aside. But if God's got a hold of your heart, he'll give you strength to continue. First the inside, then the outside. Then your walk, then your talk. I must look to my life and say, Lord, if I'm going to help pull people to the Lord, I must be where I should be first. Friend, there's people that are following me whether I like it or not. There's somebody. Every once in a while, I'll go out and go out to dinner. I did it last night, went out to dinner. And every once in a while, I've got a whole bunch of things that say grace on it, all right? And so everyone, I've got a jacket that has a Colts emblem on it. I'm a, I'm a Colts fan, all right? Okay, uh, and uh, I'm a Colts fan. So I put it on. I had ball cap on, Colts jets thing on, and I go out and, you know, I'm going to be just Seth Hahn today. Guess what? Nope. Somebody I see, right? Never goes away. The testimony that I have will be a reflection on this place. But more than that, the testimony that I have will be a reflection on my Savior. Will be a reflection on my Savior. My walk must be right. And if I will point someone to the Lord, I must make sure I am where I should be. Ah. Christian, as you look to another year, I hope you look ahead a little bit and give it this thought. Okay, Lord, when I walk in, however much of this year you give me, and we don't know how much he's going to give us. But first the eternal, then the temporal is my consideration. First the inside of who I am, then the outside of who I am. First my example, and then my teaching. I will teach someone else. I must look to my walk. And everybody has somebody you're teaching.
from the youngest to the oldest here has somebody who's looking at you and your testimony. Somebody whose life they're shaping by the way they live it. And one day, friend, even more than the folks that we impact here, there is a God in heaven who looks down, who says, look how much I love you, the cross. And I want to spend all of eternity with you. Not only in my time here, but one day I'm leaving this world and I'm entering the glory and I'll see my Savior. And he gives us this call in Corinthians. He said that whether present or absent, we would be pleasing in his sight. Do you know God's love for you is an unchanging aspect? God loves you in your sin and out of your sin. He loves you, period. God loves you just as much today as he will tomorrow, and he loved you just as much yesterday as he does today. God's love is an unchanging aspect. Matter of fact, God is love, the Bible reminds us. It is a part of his nature. But that love that he has is what get for us is what gives us great power to please him or displease him. Right? Those you love the most can bring you the greatest joys and the greatest heartaches of life, can't they? Those you love. Matter of fact, if you ever had turmoil with those that you love, you know how heartbreaking it is. And at the same time, how much joy comes to your life. Christian, you have great power to please and great power to break the heart of God. But if I keep the eternal in view, and look to the inside, and look to my example. I have a God that whether in this life or in that life, that I could hear the words from him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't know how much of next year we have, but I know we have eternity. I know it. And what will make an impact on that? First the eternal, then the temporal. First the inside, then the outside. First your example, then or teaching of others. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for the word of God. I thank you for the principles of scripture. I thank you for another day and another year to serve the Lord. Looking backward, I'm thankful for this year and your many blessings and provisions. Lord, even in, in loss, you were found faithful in the way you watched over us and cared for us and brought us through. Lord, maybe we have another year ahead of us. We certainly don't know that, but we, whether for sure or not, but we know, Lord, that there is an eternity before us and a savior that we will see. Lord, be with us as people as we leave here today that we would keep the eternal in perspective and our hearts clean and right with God and an example and a testimony that is pleasing in your sight that we might hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Heads bowed and eyes closed, just where you're at in your seat. How many of you could say with this, preacher, I, in terms of my eternity, I, that, that's a settled thing for me. You, you would say this, preacher, I know that the Lord died for me and I know that he rose again for me and I believe that Jesus was the son of God and he did all those things for me and I... I've turned from self. I've put my trust in the Lord. And if I died right now, I'd know that I'd be with him because I have trusted in the Lord as my Savior. If that's your testimony, would you raise your hand as a, just a testimony between you and I and the Lord? Say, preacher, I know that. Thank you. You may put your hand down. Is there anybody here this morning and say, preacher, in all honesty, I am unsure of eternity. I would like to say that it's sure, but I know about the Lord, but I couldn't say that I fully trusted in him and turned toward him. I couldn't say that I know him as my Savior. And I certainly couldn't say that I know heaven as my home. But I would like to settle that this morning. I would like to put my trust in him and I'd like to call upon him. You say, preacher, would you raise your hand so I could pray for you? Is there anybody like that? You say, preacher, that's me. I would like to call upon the Lord. Thank you so much. Let me ask you this then, those that are here today. Maybe you say, preacher, the Lord has spoken in my heart. 
how easy it is in this world to look first to the temporal, almost without even thinking about it, and get our eyes off the eternal. How easy it is to make our outside one thing while forgetting about the inside and neglecting it. Or how easy it is to say one thing while living another. But you would say, hey, preacher, somewhere in some aspect of the service, the Lord has spoken to my heart this morning. Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Is there anybody? Would you stand with me? As God has spoken to your heart, maybe it's that matter of trusting Christ. Don't stay in your seat. Come forward. Let someone show you it's from the scripture. Maybe it's Christian who has your heart spoken for. I, I tell you, humble yourself before God. You'll find a receptive Lord. But as God has spoken to your heart this morning, don't, don't just stay where you're at. Make that decision to, be, to make yourself get right with God.